You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast, presented by BetDSI. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Kalikas to break down this Saturday's UFC on ESPN Plus 20 event, which takes place in Kalang, Singapore. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. Looking back at our last event, Kyle Marley's premium bets for UFC on ESPN 6 lost 2.76 units overall, but he was a split decision away from a profitable night. Kyle has his bets and fantasy MMA picks available now on MMAOddsBreaker.com. Back to the present, UFC on ESPN Plus 20 features an 11-fight card in total and will be aired exclusively on ESPN Plus this Saturday morning. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on the preliminary card is a heavyweight contest between Rafael Pessoa, who is 9-1, and Jeff Hughes, who is 10-2. Now, Nick... Where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? couple quick shout-outs, as always, before we get rolling. Make sure you guys head over to betdsi.eu. That's our official sportsbook sponsor for the Oddscast. they got great things going on. they got a lot of options for you guys to wager on, so check out betdsi.eu, one of the best sportsbooks in the world. And, of course, head over to mmaoddsbreaker.com. Click on our Premium Picks tab, and you'll see Big Marley 3's Premium Picks there. He has one play available for this weekend's event. He loves it, so make sure you hop on it. And also, DraftKings Analysis available at the Premium Picks tab as well. He's one of the best in the world at both, up over 250 units. That's over $25,000 the last 17 months. Marley is one of the best. Make sure you check him out at the Premium Picks tab. Now, getting right into the fights. Should be a pretty exciting card. I know a lot of us are looking forward to that main event, but from top to bottom, I think there's going to be some pretty interesting matchups and some good finishes. Hughes opened minus 165 the comeback on Pessoa at plus 125. And right now, looking over at BetDSI, we are seeing Hughes minus 238 the comeback on Pessoa at plus 192. So line margins have tightened up more action, needless to say, when Hughes his way. I do think that's the right direction. I mean, if you're looking at Pessoa, he's pretty strong, powerful, of course. You got to give him a little bit of respect. I mean, he has a couple solid wins recently on his resume before he got blasted in his UFC debut. The LFA win, I think, was probably his best uh, thus far. And, and what you see from him, I mean, again, he's a big heavyweight. He does have a little bit of power. Uh, you have to respect him. He does have a little bit of unorthodox skill on the feet. Um, on the ground, he has a little bit of jiu-jitsu as well. But honestly, there's nothing that overwhelms you with Pessoa. I, I think he's nothing that is going to come in and just dominate you either on the feet or the ground. And that's why Hughes it definitely has the advantage in this fight. I think Hughes is just a little bit more solid overall. Um, I think he's definitely fought the better and harder fights throughout his career. Um, I think he's going to be more comfortable, more confident in the UFC um, thus far already because he's had a couple of decent battles. So in my opinion, I mean, this is definitely Hughes' fight to win or lose. If, if Pessoa lands anything, it's going to have to be pretty much the only way, I mean, to, to win this fight is going to be him, and him basically having a puncher's chance, I think. I don't think he submits Hughes on the ground. I think Hughes gets top position if it does go to the ground, and I think he brutalizes him on the ground. I think Hughes is going to be the cleaner and more effective striker on the feet as well. So, again, Pessoa basically has a puncher's chance, in my opinion. That's the only way he can get it done, but I think Hughes' chin is pretty solid, and I don't see that happening either. So, honestly, again, I see the why the reason everybody came in on Hughes and I'm expecting him to win as well. So I think you guys that came in on that early line are going to cash your tickets. So my pick is Hughes where the line is now still maybe a little bit of value to throw in a parlay or so I wouldn't get too carried away as it climbs because these are heavyweights for, you know, I mean, we got to respect heavyweight power for sure, but Hughes might be parlay material still. Yeah. Pessoa looked clearly outmatched in that uh, debut against uh, Ciro Gane and, I feel like he's going to be outmatched again here. Uh, Pessoa, as Nick mentioned, you know, he's got power. I mean, you go back and look through his track record. You know, he can finish guys if he lands, uh, something heavy. The problem is Hughes can take a shot. Uh, you know, Hughes has a good chin. Um, you saw that even most recently in the, the Duffy fight. I mean, he ate some bombs from Duffy and, you know, he's, he's still standing. 
So Pessoa's best chance to win this fight is a flash knockdown, flash knockout type of situation because overall, Hughes is the better technical striker. Hughes has better conditioning. Hughes has better wrestling. And Hughes is better on the ground. So there's really no specific area that Pessoa's better except maybe explosive power. Um, and I think Hughes makes up for that with that ability to absorb it. So uh, I'm definitely concerned. I feel like... Uh, this is going to be a really tough fight for, for, uh, Pessoa to really get anything going. Um, and especially after that first round, I think, uh, once Pessoa punches himself out a little bit trying to take Hughes out, I think Hughes eventually, uh, just finds him a spot and either gets a TKO from on the feet, maybe a ground and pound TKO if he can get it to the floor, might even get a submission along the way. So. I think Hughes wins this pretty much any way he wants, as long as he does not get blasted early. So Hughes is going to be my pick. Now dropping all the way down to the women's strawweight division, we have Alexandra Albu, who is three and one, taking on Loma Lukbunmi, who is th- also three and one. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmakers' perspective on this one? Albu open minus 150, Luke Boonmi plus 110. And right now what you're seeing over at BetDSI is Luke Boonmi at minus 128, the comeback on Albu at plus 107. So line flipped in, I think, the right fighter's direction. I mean, Luke Boonmi definitely is a prospect, I think, that's very intriguing. And if you look at her background, she's a striking-based fighter, Muay Thai stylist, of course. And she's actually training a Tiger Muay Thai as well in Thailand. So that's what you get with her. I mean, she's a precision striker, a very technical, effective, fun to watch, really. I mean, she mixes in so many kicks and so many different and slick techniques on the feet. I mean, Albu's going to be some serious trouble if um, she wants to play the stand-up game here. I know Albu has some power, and she's going to be the stronger fighter. I mean, right away, we got to mention, Luke Bumi usually fights at 105 pounds, so she is making her UFC debut at 115 pounds, so she's coming up a division. Um, I think she should be okay, although Albu, one of her best attributes is obviously her strength. I mean, she's just a, a, an amazing athlete, and she's powerful. I mean, if you look at her body, you look at her frame, you know she's coming in, and she looks strong, and she is strong, really. So she's going to have an advantage as far as, I think, the pure power and the muscle, and she's going to probably want to look to take this fight to the floor. So that's what bothers me about this matchup. Um, Luke Boonley does throw enough kicks at times where I think maybe Albu could catch one and, and maybe put her on her back and control a little bit on the ground. Now, Luke Boonley also does not have a bad ground game. I think she's more than capable and she's getting better on the ground. In fact, offensively, she has some nice trip takedowns. There's different paths for her to to win this fight. I think she could actually beat Albu possibly on the ground as well. Um, that said, I mean, again, that's my biggest concern maybe is the size and the I guess out getting out muscled or bullying this fight, but out, I mean, technical skill set wise, there's no question who the better, better fighter here is. It's Luke Boonmi. And I think she probably does get it uh, done here. So I'm going to pick her to win. I think she's going to probably pick Albu apart on the feet, stuff some takedowns along the way and look good in her UFC debut over a very underrated and very tough Albu here. So the pick is Luke Boonmi and I like the early action coming in that way. I think they're probably on the right track. Yeah. My main concern in this fight is, uh, while Luke Boonmi is uh, definitely the better technical striker on the feet, uh, Albu might be able to make up for that a little bit with just being a really good athlete and being very physically strong for the division because uh, Luke Boonmi is uh, more of a natural atom weight, 10 pounds lighter, and, and Albu is one of the stronger, uh, more physical fighters in the division, even though you know she's still pretty relatively new to the division as well with just four professional fights. Um, but uh, overall, as Nick mentioned, uh, Luke Boonmi has that just wonderful striking background. I mean, she is uh, precise. I mean, she is exciting, uh, very, very solid technical striking. Um, she can do some serious damage. I think uh, technique-wise, I mean, Luke Boonmi is light years ahead of Albu on the feet. Albu is, she's got some power on the feet, a little bit of pop, but... Uh, She's, she's pretty stiff. Just, you know, she's, she fights like someone that you, it was like a bodybuilder that's throwing punches. So, uh, Luke Boomy should be able to avoid most everything Albu throws at her and then counter it effectively. So, uh, I think it'll be very one-sided on the feet, but Albu might be able to make up for it if she can use her physical strength and size. Um, uh, Albu might be able to drag this into the clinch, drag this uh, to the floor. Uh, you know, her ground game is decent, not great. 
times, but it potentially could be better than Lubumi's. I mean, Lubumi does have a little bit of wrestling, but uh, my main concern is that Albu is uh, able to stifle her a little bit, take take it out of the feet, because on the feet, Lubumi should be able to torture. But if uh, Albu does drag it to the floor and get top position, she might be able to do enough to uh, win some rounds. But overall, I, I have to favor Lubumi. I mean, every fight's Every round's going to start standing. Elbu's not exactly known for being a wrestling powerhouse. So uh, I think Luke Boonby plays keep away enough on the feet and does a lot of damage and uh, wins the decision. So Luke Boonby's going to be my pick. Now moving up to the heavyweight division, we have Sergei Pavlovich, who is 13-1, taking on Maurice Green, who is 8-2. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Pavlovich opened minus 245, the comeback on green, plus 175. And right now, looking over at BetDSI, we are seeing Pavlovich minus 233, plus 178, the comeback on green. So line margins have tightened up a little bit, and there is two-way action coming into this fight. I think there's a lot of question marks out there with Pavlovich, and of course, uh, green has looked actually pretty decent, I think, overall as well. So the question marks I personally have with Pavlovich definitely lie in the ground game. I mean, on the feet, the guy looks pretty good. He's an athletic guy, strong, of course, has some speed, has some power, has some accuracy. He just destroyed Golm in his last fight, which I think he needed to for redemption a little bit. Over, uh, you know, Overeem ended up destroying him, especially when he got to the ground, obviously, in that case. But I think you can give him a pass, and we could see how Pavlovich is going to develop. Because, look, at this fight, before I really started digging into it a little bit, I honestly thought it was intriguing because I thought Green might have a shot here. And I still think he might have a shot because there's some question marks, in my opinion, with Pavlich for sure. But the more I look at it, the more I realize Pavlich is definitely the better striker, and that's his path to victory here. But Green does have some knockout power. He's a big boy. He's going to have the more um, overall, I think, I don't want to say confidence, but that swagger about him right now in the UFC. I think he's mentally at a good point for him. And, of course, he does have um, some ground to go along with it. So I think he's going to have the ground advantage if he can get Pavlich down. Now, his wrestling's not the greatest, and Green likes to stand and bang a little bit as well, of course. So we know that. So he's capable of possibly clipping Pavlich. I wouldn't be surprised if he does that. But, again, on the feet, the, the edge definitely lies to Pavlich. So I think he's going to win a lot of those exchanges. He's going to be the cleaner fighter. It's going to probably show as the fight progresses. But Green needs a to find a way to get this fight to the ground, make it an ugly fight, maybe clinch up with them a little bit and maybe steal this fight. So I wouldn't be surprised. It's a dog or pass situation. I'm not, even though I'm going to pick Pavlich to win this fight, I'm not sold on him quite yet. And I wouldn't be surprised if green continues to elevate his game. It looks really good here and picks off another upset. You know, this would be a bigger upset, of course, but I think green is, is kind of capable. He's shown that in the past. I mean, he's a guy that you cannot sleep on. So for me, not being sold on Pavlovich quite yet, it's a dog or pass situation. My pick, though, is going to be Pavlich. I think he he gets by Green here, probably edges out a close decision. And I think it'll be a little bit more of a one-sided decision in Pavlovich's way. Uh, the main thing here is Pavlovich is the more technically sound striker. Um, uh, Pavlovich, I think, has a little bit more power. I, I just think Pavlovich is... Uh, a better stand-up artist, and this fight is almost certainly going to stay standing. Um, Pavlovich, when, you know, he made his UFC debut, I think he, you know, everybody was picking him against Overeem, and I think people were, you know, just underestimating, uh, you know, that he was stepping in there against one of the best heavyweights in the world, and, uh, it just wasn't his time yet. But, uh, this is still a guy with a lot of skill, as we saw with what he did to, uh, Gom. Uh, clearly, you know, huge step down from Overeem, but he showed that this is a talented guy, uh, a good, solid technical striker that can get the job done. So, uh, I think, uh, Pavlovich is going to get the job done on the feet. Uh, as this fight is standing, uh, Pavlovich is going to have the better technique. I think he'll mix it up better. I think he has better footwork. Uh, his defense is better. Um, green is pretty athletic, but um, realistically, the best way to stop Pavlovich is to, to put him on his back like Overeem did. And that's really not a big part of Green's game. And Pavlovich does have a little bit of uh, Greco-Roman wrestling, and I think it's enough to uh, thwart if Green does attempt to do that. So I think this fight does stay standing, and uh, Pavlovich should get the better of Green over the course of three rounds. I don't think he knocks him out. Green is pretty tough. And also, 
Uh, Green can slow the pace down to a crawl. Uh, so I don't think Pavlovich will have a ton of opportunities to really unload or open up. So I think he just takes what Green gives him and uh, picks him apart slowly over the course of three rounds. So I think Pavlovich gets a one-sided decision, but uh, I don't really see a stoppage here. So Pavlovich is my pick. Now, dropping down to the featherweight division, we have Enrique Barzola, who is 16-4-1, taking on Mavsar Evloev, who is 11-0. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Evloev opened minus 190, the comeback on Barzola plus 150. And right now, looking over at BetDSI, Evloev is minus 179, the comeback on Barzola at plus 147. This is an awesome fight. I mean, Barzola always brings it. I mean, you, you cannot not love how this guy fights. I mean, he had a very close competitive win over another prospect in Bobby Moffitt in his last fight. Um, it, outside of that, I mean, it, I think his disappointment came to Aguilar when he lost a close competitive decision there as well. But outside, I mean, at Barzola, fight by fight, he's been looking so good in his career. He's working hard. The guy has a heavy pace he pushes. I mean, he's accurate with his punching. He definitely can mix in his grinding style with wrestling, and he's got a really good ground game. So there's a lot to like about Barzola, and it's the pace that he pushes, his takedown defense, everything. He's just a tough fight. No matter who he fights, you know it's going to be a tough out. So I love Barzola, everything I see in him. But Evloev, on the other hand, man, I'm nothing but impressed with him. I actually think he's kind of a level above Barzola at this point. With all the good stuff that I just said about Barzola, I think Evelov on the feet, it's going to be close. I think he's a little bit maybe cleaner. He's a little bit more accurate than Barzola, so it should be interesting. But that pace, again, Barzola presses, man. I mean, he's just a, such a tough guy. He brings it, he comes forward. So I think it's going to be interesting, and it's going to be close on the feet. I think Evelov kind of where he separates himself from Barzola a little bit here is how he can mix everything up. And again, I think he's just a little bit more ahead, technically speaking. And I think he's going to show on the ground as well. Barzola usually have his, has his way with people on the ground. I think here he's going to struggle and Evloev is going to have the advantage. I think he could probably win some scrambles, get top position and make this kind of a grueling fight that Barzola is used to and what he does to his opponents, but it'd be back and forth. It's going to be a close, close fight. But I just think that again, I mean, Evloev is just a level above him. And I think he probably edges out this uh, fight. It's going to be on the scorecards, if anything, because Barzola is so tough. He's hard to finish. He's never been finished in his career. So Evloev, I think, is going to have another solid test, which he needs, really. I, I like to see him in these kind of tough fights. I don't think he's getting enough credit um, over his debut win over Choi. I think Choi was a very tough opponent as well. Um, there was a lot to like about that fight for him. And I think that it went three rounds is kind of good because I want to see him get that octagon experience as well. And this is going to be another one that probably goes three rounds in Barzola. So I think this is only going to continue to help Evelov improve his game and just kind of keep climbing that ladder. So I like what I see. I believe in the hype. I think he's going to outclass Barzola in what should be a competitive decision, though. So my pick is Evelov to win. And I'm with you, but I really am concerned because uh, Barzola is a talented fighter. I mean, this is a guy that has added a lot to his game. I mean, when he started, he was just a a wrestler, and he's added some pretty good striking. Like he's he's a he's a very adequate striker now, uh, above average in the the featherweight division, and he's always kind of been on that fringe uh, contender level, like right right there. So, um, this should be competitive. I mean, uh, my main problem with Barzola though is. While he's added that striking to his game, it came at the expense of his uh, grappling, which was very strong. Uh, now, Evloev should definitely be the superior grappler here. Uh, he's still a guy that definitely is uh, not afraid to go back and stick to what, uh, you know, brought him here. So, uh, I think on the feet, it's going to be competitive, but I actually think Barzola might be able to outpoint Evloev in the stand-up. The problem is, uh, in terms of takedowns, if Barzola gets a takedown, I think maybe he holds Evloev down for like 10, 15 seconds. But if Evloev gets a takedown, you know, he's going to be holding Barzola down for a majority of the round. I mean, this is a guy with really nasty top position, stifling top control, uh, good ground and pound. I mean, just a very strong, powerful wrestler uh, with excellent ability to maintain uh, the positions that he earns. So... Uh, I really think Evloev is uh, a very dangerous fighter, a very uh, 
experienced. I mean, he's been in there against some strong, high-caliber opponents. Obviously, Barzola has as well, but Evloev definitely seems like the real deal. So, uh, you know, Barzola is going to have his hands full. Uh, that being said, Barzola is a very well-rounded and a solid opponent. Uh, definitely going to be, I would say, the toughest test of Evloev's career, but I do think Evloev passes that test. I think he gets top position enough to, to ride out rounds and win the decision, but I think Barzola uh, makes it interesting on the feet. But uh, Evloev is going to be my pick. Now, moving up to the lightweight division, we have Rafael Fiziev, who is 6-1, and one, taking on Alex White, who is 13-5. Now, Nick... Where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Fiziev opened minus 185, the comeback on White, plus 145. Right now, looking over at BetDSI, we are seeing Fiziev minus 200, the comeback on White, plus 163. So line margins have tightened up a little bit. I'm just slightly more actually coming in Fiziev's way. I'm not surprised. I mean, the public, public overall does not like Alex White, it seems. I mean, I think they don't trust him. He's never kind of got that much respect. I think he's a pretty solid fighter, to be honest with you. I think he's got good boxing. I think he's got um, knockout power on the feet. I think he's got a good ground game, an underrated ground game. He's got some wrestling as well. It's just unfortunate for him. Defensively, he can get tagged. Obviously, he gets clipped. Um, I know that he only has one official knockout loss on his resume, but that last sub-loss that he had came by getting hurt as well. So, I mean, he's definitely vulnerable defensively on the feet. Um, but again, I mean, he, he's a threat. You cannot take Alex White lightly on the feet. He definitely has enough power, and he's got some wrestling, and he can sneak up on you for sure. He's going to have um, a little height advantage over Fiziov. He's going to have actually the same reach. So that's interesting because uh, Fiziov is the shorter fighter. And he's going to have the same reach. So at times, the shorter fighter definitely has that advantage because range is a little bit different for the taller fighter, I think. So Fiziop striking overall is really good. I mean, it's unfortunate that he got just destroyed in his UFC debut because really all of us didn't get to see what he's capable of. And what he's capable of is a lot better than what he showed. I mean, he's a really good striker. He's fun to watch on the feet. Um, he's developing his game overall. I think he's going to be the more precise. He's going to be the more dangerous, going to be the more accurate striker here. And with White's defense, that's what bothers me in this fight. I think Fizioff is going to get off and he's going to be able to have a lot of success as this fight goes. So I think White's going to get pieced up. I think he's going to probably lose. If it makes the cards, I don't think it does. There's just too much firepower back and forth for this fight to probably go, obviously. But um, if it does go, I think Fiziev could sneak out a decision. If not, um, I think Fiziev could probably uh, win inside the distance as well. Now, that said, where the current betting line is, 2-1, to one, I mean, Fiziev did it. Like I said, he, he came and stepped up and fought in his UFC debut and just got destroyed. So there has to be some question marks and concerns um, in that circumstance. And then he's fighting a guy that could possibly land and knock him out again. I mean, different fighters completely, but you still have to respect White. So I think he has been underrated throughout his career, and I wouldn't be shocked if he does pull off this upset, to be honest with you. So I would not bet this. It's kind of a dog or pass situation in my mind until Fizioff proves otherwise, but my pick is going to be Fizioff because, I mean, I do think the hype is real, and he's going to show up a lot better than he looked last time. So the pick is Fizioff for me. Yeah, that was a very unfortunate debut for Fizioff getting uh, blasted with that spinning back, uh, back kick, but I do think he bounces back here. This is a guy that entered the UFC with a lot of hype, really exciting uh, striker with a big, crazy, dynamic skill set on the feet. And uh, Alex White, you know, he's got a lot more of a, just a pure uh, boxing skill set, uh, more of that brawling style. So unless White is able to dictate how this fight goes by really getting in Fiziev's kitchen and forcing a more of a, a slugfest... Uh, I don't really see how he wins because I don't really think White uh, is able to take Fiziev down and beat him up on the ground. And if White stays at distance, uh, he's going to get destroyed. Um, so obviously Fiziev, uh, you know, has room for growth. That was not a good UFC debut, but this is a guy with a ton of striking talent. So I do think he bounces back. Uh, I think Fiziev just starts landing some crazy kicks and spinning attacks, and, and you just name it. He'll probably be throwing it at White. And at some point, I think he does connect with something nasty, and White probably goes down. Uh, I just don't think White has the technical skill to keep up with Fiziev. Although, if he does crack him with some good shots, maybe he can knock Fiziev out. We've seen Fiziev get knocked out now, so uh, it can happen, but... 
I do think that uh, Fiziev brings the hype back a, a couple notches with a really good performance here. So uh, Fiziev is going to be my pick. I think he does get a knockout. Now, dropping down to the strawweight division for the preliminary card headliner, we have Randa Marcos, who is 9, 7, and 1, taking on Ashley Yoder, who is 7, and 4. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Marcos opened minus 215 to come back on Yoder at plus 165. Right now, looking over at DSI, we are seeing... Marcos minus 139, the comeback on Yoder plus 115. So needless to say, Yoder getting some action. And this is a tough fight. I agree with it. It's definitely a dog or pass situation with Yoder and Marcos. I mean, I think overall Marcos is definitely the better fighter, meaning I think she probably has the better boxing. I think she probably has a little bit better wrestling. She definitely has a ground game. I think Yoder's technically better on the feet. I mean, on the ground, I'm sorry, with her jujitsu. So I think defensively and offensively, Yoder might have her in that category, but Still, overall, Marcos is probably the better mixed martial artist. That said, Marcos is, to me, the type of fighter that kind of has plateaued. She's not improving. You don't see a lot of her getting better fight by fight. With Yoder, I mean, she's on a two-fight win streak recently. She's looked great. She's going to have some confidence. I mean, even in her losses, she's actually showed us a lot. And and that Dern fight, I know Dern is coming off of a devastating loss for her first time ever, you know, recently as well. But that being said, that that fight was really close. I think that also gave her some confidence, Yoder I'm referring to, that, that she can hang with kind of the upper echelon. And, and Dern, let's face it, there was a lot of hype behind her. And so competing with one of the UFC's best and, and almost beating her, going to give you some confidence. And then improving in the gym every day. I love what I see from Yoder. She's going to have some advantages in this fight. She's going to be taller. She's going to have a pretty decent reach advantage. I believe it's going to be six inches. On the feet, again, she is improving. She's going to fight a little bit longer. I know Marcos is going to try to close that gap and, again, get inside, use that boxing a little bit, piece her up, maybe look for a takedown or two. I think, though, Yoder can actually give Marcos some fits on the ground as well. And, again, I think Yoder's ground game overall is a little bit better. So I've kind of been going back and forth as a pure pick for this fight, which way I'm going to go. I'm going to lean with Yoder, and I think there's no question it's a dog or pass situation. So at plus money, I think you have to lean with Yoder. And, and again, it's that thing with Marcos that she's a little bit inconsistent at times. and and you just don't see the best that you can get out of her every fight where I think I think Yoder is kind of on the rise and we are seeing some improvements in her game. So all that combined, I'm going to lean Yoder here and hopefully she gets it done. And I'm going to come in the other way. Uh, yes, Yoder has picked up a couple wins after starting her UFC run at 0-3, but uh, they haven't exactly been against uh, really high-quality competition. Um, and Marcos is somebody that's been competitive against some of the best in the world. So, um, you know, I, I think that this is, uh, you know, just two fighters that are not at the same place. Um, so yes, Marcos has been inconsistent, but you also got to remember who she's been fighting and she does have some quality wins under her belt. Um, Yoder, on the other hand, as Nick mentioned, yeah, you know, she's been competitive against some good fighters, but, um, really hasn't turned to that corner. I mean, the, her one quality win where she won one convincingly was against Kondo, and Kondo went 0-3 and washed out of the UFC. So uh, Marcos, on the other hand, you know, she's fought, you know, world champion level fighters. So I think that this is a, a much uh, different uh, type of opponent. Uh, Yoder, really, the only time that she's really looked good on the feet was against uh, Mackenzie Dern. So I actually think Marcos is going to be the better striker here. I think Marcos presents uh, more power. Yoder does have uh, some reach. It just depends if uh, she's going to be able to use it. And I'm not quite convinced that she'll be able to keep uh, Marcos at the end of her jab. And then if it goes to the ground, uh, Yoder does have uh, a solid ground game. She has a pretty strong uh, submission base. But Marcos is definitely the better wrestler here as well. So basically, uh, I expect that Yoder gets put on her back if it goes to the ground. And I think Yoder will have to be fighting off of her back foot for the most part on the feet because Marcos will be the aggressor looking to land the big shot. Um, and Marcos can hold her own on the feet. I mean, she's held her own on the feet against, uh, you know, Grasso. She held her own on the feet against Rodriguez, you know, landed some pretty big shots. So... Um, I think this will be competitive at times, but I expect Marcos to get the job done. And unless Yoder, uh, you know, 
gets a flash submission off of her back, I think this is Marcos's fight to lose. So I'm going to pick Marcos. I think she takes a decision here and keeps that streak going of not winning or losing two fights in a row inside the octagon. Now, moving on to the first fight of the main card, we have Muslim Salikov in a welterweight contest who is 15-2, and two, taking on uh, Lariano Staropoli, who is and 9-1. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Salikov opened minus 230, the comeback on Staropoli, plus 170. And right now, looking over at BetDSI, we are seeing Salikov minus 167, the comeback on Staropoli, plus three. 139, excuse me. So minus 167 plus 139. So line margins have tightened up a little bit and a little bit more action coming in on Starpoli as an underdog. This is interesting. This is going to be awesome, man. I mean, both these guys can bring it on the feet. We know that. Obviously, Solikov is the more dangerous fighter. He's the more accomplished fighter on the feet. Man, this guy's nasty. There's no question this guy's one of the most dangerous fighters in the weight class at 170 pounds. I mean, since his UFC debut, unfortunately for him, it didn't go that well in his debut when he got choked out. Uh, but I mean, obviously that's possible because this guy's more of a stand-up fighter and he's, even though he's working on his ground game and he's getting better. I mean, that's a path to victory against a guy like Salikov. So that said, Starpoli has showed us some really good skills thus far in the octagon. I mean, I think he's overperformed. He was better for sure from the debut um, than I expected him to be watching footage. So I think he's really one of these guys that's a young gun, up-and-coming fighter. I mean, he's going to be nine years younger than Solikov. I think he is getting better fight by fight. He's settling in. That was a pretty solid win that he had over Thiago Alves in his last fight. I know that Alves is a, a declining fighter, so there's something to be said about that. But still, fighting a, a aging vet like that that was – um, at once, you know, at the top of the division and getting a solid win over a guy like that is impressive still to this point. So there's a lot of like to like about Sarpol. I think he has good stand up. He mixes things in well. He can get some wrestling. He's got a good ground game as well. He's going to have the ground advantage over Solikov. So I think that's his path to victory here. And I think he's going to probably find a way to get it done if he can survive the early onslaught. So for me, I've kind of been going back and forth on this fight as well. As far as the pick goes, because I know there's no question if this fight stays standing, Solikov is obviously going to be the more dangerous guy. And I could see him knocking Sarpoli out where Sarpoli, I think, can maybe have some success on the feet with Solikov. But I don't think that knockout threat is going to be there as much, obviously. So Solikov on the feet is dangerous. In fact, if you're going to bet this fight, I think there's only one way to bet Solikov. You bet him inside the distance. You bet him by knockout because he's not going to obviously win by submission. Um, he's going to win by knockout if he wins this fight. Because I think if it hits the scorecards, Starpoli will probably outpoint him if he does go three rounds. So I think Starpoli can win on the scorecards. I think Starpoli could probably finish this fight on the ground if he's able to get it there. So I, I think there's more to like about Starpoli. So I understand why the line dropped, and there's still – some value as a dog or pass situation, I think, on Sarpoli as well. Now, that said, you got to be cautious. You can't go crazy in this fight because Salikov can come out there and just light him up in the first couple minutes. And we can see that happening. So, again, if you bet Salikov, bet him inside or bet him – I'm sorry to clarify. If your book offers knockout, that's where you bet him. Bet Salikov by knockout if you're going to bet him. If not, I think you bet Sarpoli straight. Um, there's still some value on him there. So I'm going to pick Sarpoli to pull off the slight upset win. Hopefully he gets it done. And I'm going to come in on Salikov. I mean, this this fight really boils down to can Salikov catch Starpoli? That's really what it is. Is uh, Starpoli is an exciting fighter? You know, this is a guy with, uh, you know, he he has a high volume. He pushes a good tempo. He's exciting uh, in terms of you know landed per minute. I mean, he he's blowing Salikov out of the water. Uh, my issue is, you know, his defense is lower. His offense, in terms of a landing percentage, is lower. Just in terms of just pure technique and power and fight-ending ability, it's all on the side of Salikov. I mean, this guy is a powerhouse when he can connect. So it's it's going to boil down to will he be able to connect? Uh, because uh, Staropoli is very exciting when he gets going. You know, this he uh, he he. I, 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 I thought maybe he was just, uh, that Argentina special where, you know, they had an event there and just wanted to get, keep the crowd happy. But, uh, you know, he, he showed it against uh, Alves and I picked him in that fight and I was really happy that he was able to get that win. But that's not the same Tiago Alves. Um, you know, he was, he was getting Alves at a pretty good time in Alves's career. 
Uh, Salikov, on the other hand, you know, this guy is dangerous, real dangerous. I mean, you get hit by one good clean shot from Salikov and you are going night night. So my issue here is, yes, Staropoli is going to be the more active fighter. He's going to be throwing more. He'll probably be winning rounds uh, as long as he is staying on the feet and moving around and throwing. But I think uh, it just takes that one clean shot from Salikov. And unless Staropoli is able to completely avoid these stand-up exchanges and take it to the ground, and I just don't think he's going to be able to do that, then I think at some point Salikov connects with something nasty and puts Staropoli's lights out. Um, I just think Staropoli's a little bit too hittable on the feet. Um, he's going to move around a lot, but uh, when he comes into attack, I mean, there's going to be prime counter opportunities for Salikov. Uh, and Staropoli is going to have to attack at some point. So uh, I, I expect uh, it'll be exciting. It'll be kind of that game of cat and mouse where Starpoli is darting in and out and trying to do his thing. But at some point, I think Salikov is going to get his timing and probably take him out. And uh, I think uh, Salikov probably wins by knockout either at the end of the first round or maybe around the midway point of the second round. But I think he, he figures out Staropoli at some point and does hand him his first UFC loss. So uh, Salikov is going to be my pick. Now, moving on to the heavyweight division, we have Cyril Gane, who is 4-0, taking on Dante Mays, who is 7-2. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Gane opened minus 350, the comeback on Mays at plus 250. And right now, what you're seeing over at BetDSI is Gane minus 357, the comeback on Mays at plus 284. So line margins have tightened up a little bit. Line Staying fairly close to where it was. Um, there was two action coming in this fight as well. I mean, Gon obviously is the hype fighter. TKO, former TKO champion before he came into the UFC and then just destroyed Pessoa, as we talked about earlier. Um, and he beat him on the ground. That's the crazy thing a little bit because he won the fight by arm triangle choke. And Gon is kind of more known for his striking ability too, but that proves to you what kind of fighter he is. He's definitely well, um, well-rounded. He's rounding out his game and he's capable of getting some takedowns. He's capable of finishing on the ground. And obviously on the feet, he can knock you out. I mean, uh, you know, he has that 81-inch reach advantage, which is usually trumps most people, but Mays can match him in that area. So this is going to be interesting. I think this is definitely going to be Gon's toughest test to date in Mays. Um, but I think, it, you know, he's going to look for those takedowns for sure and try to get Mays to the floor and, and kind of utilize that because I don't know if you want to bang with Mays. Mays is another a tough guy. I mean – uh, he training at Jackson Winks now as well. I think that's only going to improve his game. There's a lot to like about Mays. He definitely has knockout power. Um, he's got that toughness about him as well. And I think if, if Gon underestimates him a little bit, he's going to probably catch one and possibly get knocked out. Gon hasn't showed us that many flaws in his game yet. But again, this is a solid test. So that's why I'm not that confident, especially if you're going to lay about three and a half to one or so on Gon. So. That said, I'm going to pick him to win. I think he is a better fighter. I think he can mix things up a little bit, get the takedown, and probably um, utilize that to win this fight. So I'm going to pick Gon, but if you're going to bet this fight, just be careful out there. Yeah, that's really what this fight boils down to. I mean, Gon is so much better uh, than Maze. Uh, he's uh, stronger. He's got the better ground game. He should have the better striking technique. I mean, he's just an elite prospect. Definitely one of the better up-and-coming heavyweights out there. Uh, Mays does have some power. I mean, this is a guy that can take people out, but he also is not nearly the same level of heavyweight. Uh, you know, it took him two tries on uh, Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series to make it to the UFC. The first time did not go his way. He lost to Alan Crowder who's a pretty mid to low tier UFC heavyweight. Um, and then the second time, you know, he, uh, he was able to earn it, but, uh, so, so he does have some power. Uh, he does have some knockout ability. So Gon cannot just sit back or charge in haphazardly as well. You know, he needs to take this fight seriously, but, uh, this is definitely a fight where it looks like the UFC is just trying to build somebody up. And, and I feel like, uh, Gon is definitely a, a heavyweight worth paying attention to, but I mean, I'm, as long as he takes this fight seriously, he should win. So uh, I think Gon 
at some point gets us to the floor and then it's his fight to lose whether uh or his fight to win whether it's a ground and pound or submission he can choose but i think he gets it to the floor and gets the finish at some point near the mid or end of the first round so gun's gonna be my pick now moving down to the lightweight division we have benil darius who is 16 4 and 1 taking on frank camacho who is 22 and 7 now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Darius opened minus 195, the comeback on Camacho plus 155. Looking over at BetDSI currently, we are seeing Darius minus 185, the comeback on Camacho plus 155. So line margins have tightened up. A little bit more action coming in originally on Camacho, and now we're starting to see it get bad up a little bit, so there's two reaction in this fight as well. No way does Camacho beat Darius. Come on. I mean, let's get serious, right? I mean, he could possibly right now at this, to this stage of Darius's career. I get it. But as far as his skill set goes, Darius should be levels above Camacho. I mean, I'm saying this all because I do have respect for Camacho. I know he's a warrior. He's getting better. He had a great fight against Hein last time out. Um, and then he could be facing another guy he could get out of there as well because Darius definitely has chin issues. He definitely has cardio issues. So Camacho having that warrior attitude, you know, he goes for it for sure. He's got knockout power on the feet. Um, he's the type of fighter that could go, really could be tired and still go 100 miles an hour all three rounds to type of guy. So he, he definitely sets a high pace and he comes after you for sure. But skill set for skill set, Darius is better on the feet. I think he's by far the better fighter there. He's by far the better ground fighter as well. So, I mean, I'm going to pick Darius despite the decline and despite the confidence level dropping fight by fight with him. Now let's not forget though. He has showed a little bit of life. I mean, he's on a two fight win streak, which is much, much needed right now to kind of keep things relevant, keep his job really more than anything else. But the decline is real and he's on it, but I still have hard to believe a hard time believing. I should say Darius loses the Camacho here. It just wouldn't be right to me. So I'm going to pick Darius. Now, if this line plummets, then I would actually bet Darius a little bit. Nothing crazy, but if this line drops back down to the 150 range, I might make a small bet on Darius. I might recommend something like that because, again, he's just a better fighter here. So I know Camacho could probably pull this upset off. The conference level is low, like I mentioned, but Darius is my pick, and I think he gets it done. And I'm right with you. Uh, I mean, in terms of MMA skill, this fight is a landslide for Darius. Uh, he's the better striker. He's better uh, with – he's got better size. He's got – uh, better power. He's got better wrestling. He's got better submissions. I mean, it is pretty much every facet of MMA. Darius is better than Camacho. The problem, obviously, is uh, Darius does have some holes in his game, and that is his chin is not even. It has never really been that good, but he was able to overcome that with uh, uh, his skill, and his uh, conditioning can be a problem. So, and those are actually two things that Frank Camacho has in spades. You know, this is a guy that can uh, push a high tempo for a long time and he can take a shot and he's got a lot of heart. Uh, Camacho, you know, he doesn't have the most skill, but uh, he's a brawling, exciting fighter that has put on some great performances inside the octagon. And that's what actually makes this fight intriguing at all is the fact that can Camacho gut through what Darius throws at him and then find a way to win? Um, because we've seen that happen before with Darius. You know, Darius was picking apart Michael Chiesa, and then he slowed down in the second round. Chiesa took him down. Chiesa was able to actually get a finish against him. Um, that's happened multiple times in Darius's career. So, and then obviously Darius, you know, just getting hit solidly with anything could put him out. Now, Camacho isn't the most powerful fighter, but he has enough that uh, if he cracks Darius, he can take him out for sure. So uh, I do still feel like Darius can win this fight at any moment and sh clearly is the better fighter. But I'm definitely going to be concerned if this fight gets dragged to the third round and Darius starts to slow down and he starts getting hit. So um, I'm picking Darius, but it's just tough to trust him at this point because he has the skill but, you know, he's, he, he can definitely let you down, too. So Darius is still going to be my pick, though. Now, moving up to the co-main event of the evening and sticking with the lightweight division, we have Michael Johnson, who is 19 and 14, taking on Stevie Ray, who is 22 and 9. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? 
Johnson opened minus 245, the comeback on Ray plus 175. Right now, what we're seeing over at Bet DSI is currently Johnson minus 263, the comeback on Ray at plus 215. So again, line margins have tightened up a little bit. A little bit more action coming in Johnson's way, more parlays than anything else, I'm sure. That said, this is an interesting fight because you have definitely a declining fighter. And Michael Johnson dropped down 145 pounds. Um, it had some mixed results, obviously. I mean, coming off of a big-time knockout loss to Josh Emmett, coming back up then to 155 pounds as well. So I didn't like the weight cut down to 145, the weight drop from Michael Johnson to begin with. I thought despite him... You know, not looking, I guess, the last couple fights that great for him because he had back-to-back losses at lightweight against um, Khabib and then, of course, Gaethje. But those aren't bad losses, man. I mean, Michael Johnson is legit, really. I mean, throughout his career, he's been the type of fighter that can beat anyone, really, a lightweight if he lands those hands. I mean, the guy has explosive dynamite in his hands, power, accuracy. Um, he's got some speed to go along with it. Of course, he's got a wrestling background as well, so he most of the time he can keep it there. I mean, he's got some flaws in his game, of course, and he's always had. I mean, early on in his career, there was con- conditioning issues, uh, but he's been working, man. I mean, he's been putting the work in, and he's gotten better. The problem now is everything's kind of catching up to him. I mean, he's had a lot of wars in his career. He's had all those fight years, training, everything. He's getting older. He's not the best version of himself for sure. But that said, he's facing Stevie Ray, which I honestly think Stevie Ray's always been a very solid fighter. I've had a ton of respect for him throughout his career as well. Coming over from Cage Warriors, I was glad to see him have success early in his UFC career. Um, but the truth is, I think he's been always a, just a tad bit overrated. Um, I know he's got good striking. He's dangerous there. He's got a pretty solid ground game. In most cases, he can get some takedowns, and he can uh, beat people on the floor as well. In this case, I think it's going to be tough for him, though, because I think Michael Johnson is better on the feet. I think Johnson's a better wrestler as well. So if Johnson can even mix up some takedowns, I mean, he might want to here because obviously he's coming off that knockout loss. Get Stevie Ray on his back, drop some ground and pound. Um, Johnson doesn't really utilize the sub game that much. I mean, Stevie Ray, pure subs. Of course, he's got the advantage there. But I think Johnson will be okay here, especially if he's on top in you know and, and dropping bombs here so i think this is kind of a tough matchup for ray obviously i mean that's why he's a solid favorite as well coming back up to um lightweight so i think johnson gets it done now could you go crazy bet in this fight i mean like we said johnson is definitely a declining fighter he's not gonna i think make a run towards that lightweight title anytime soon so you just got to be cautious out there but the pick is michael johnson and honestly i was talking to brian about this off air but a little small parlay that will play you, uh, pay you plus money would be Johnson and Darius to consider. I mean, those two kind of aging, declining vets, I still think have winnable matchups this weekend. I think Darius can be Camacho and Ray, of, of course, uh, I think loses to Johnson. So Johnson and Darius, I think a two team parlay at plus money, a small one, of course, because again, this is the, the aging, decline veterans that can kind of let you down in this, these fights as well. But I still think, that they get the job done here and they win the fight. So two team parlay, Darius Johnson at plus money, take a small stab at it. Yeah. You look at Michael Johnson's track record and yes, you know, having a, a 19 and 14 record isn't the greatest, but you look at the people he's beat over the course of those of his career. He currently has wins over Tony Ferguson, um, Dustin Poirier, Edson Barboza. I mean, some of the best of the best of the best in the UFC's lightweight division. I mean, that's unbelievable. So, uh, you know, this is still a guy that is just a tremendous talent. I think his move to, to featherweight was a very poor choice. I mean, he dropped down after losing fights to Habib and Justin Gaethje, two of the scariest, uh, most exciting, dangerous fighters in the lightweight division. And he was competitive in those fights early, um, you know, almost winning against Gaethje multiple times. And then he, you know, was actually looking pretty good in the first round against Habib before Habib decided to take him down, obviously. But, uh, so yeah, that move to featherweight, I think was a very poor choice, career choice. Uh, it didn't work out. He went two and two, lost to, was actually winning his last fight against Josh Emmett before he got knocked out right at the end of the third round. Um, so. You know, he's moving back up to, to lightweight. I think that's a much smarter option. I mean, he is so much better at lightweight. I think his chin will hold up better. Um, you know, he's just a really solid technical fighter at lightweight. Uh, he has very good striking technique. Um, he moves well. Um, he can be, he can, uh, be unorthodox and, 
Uh, and he also, you know, he has some wrestling to fall back on. That was actually his strong suit went back on the Ultimate Fighter. So, uh, against Stevie Ray, if he mixes it up well, he should win this fight pretty handily. Now, Ray does have some power. Uh, he has a strong left hand. Uh, and if that connects, Johnson can still get put out. I mean, clearly, uh, we saw that in his last fight. He got clipped. He got finished. It was over. Uh, and Johnson, you know, when he loses, he can lose hard. I mean, uh, he got finished. Uh, he took a lot of damage in that Gaethje fight. That was one of the craziest fights you'll ever see. Um, and, you know, he got knocked out by Emmett. I mean, he's, he's definitely, uh, you know, taken some, some damage over the course of his career. And he's 33 years old, so he's not a spring chicken anymore. But in terms of pure MMA skill, he's light years ahead of Stevie Ray. I mean, the only real major weakness that Johnson's had over the course of his career was against people that could outgrapple him. And that's the worst thing that Stevie Ray does. Uh, Ray really does not have much of a ground game whatsoever. Um, so if Johnson wants, I think he can take him down and, uh, win from top position and Johnson should be able to, to outwork him on the feet. I mean, Johnson's out, outworked Edson Barboza and Tony Ferguson on the feet and knocked out Dustin Poirier on the feet. So, you know, this is clearly a guy that can get the job done standing. Um, so I expect Johnson to get the job done, but I am a little concerned. Obviously he's been finished multiple times. He's coming off a knockout loss. Uh, you know, his confidence isn't what it used to be. And Stevie Ray does have some power and he is capable of uh, getting some finishes, but I feel like this is a, a fight for Johnson to get back on track and potentially, you know, work his way back up to becoming a, a top 15 guy again in the, the lightweight division. Cause he was still right at, at that level when uh, he decided to move down to featherweight. So uh, I'm picking Michael Johnson. I expect him to get the job done. But again, you know, that featherweight run might have taken a lot out of him. So I'm a little bit concerned, but I'm still definitely picking Johnson. Now, moving on to the main event of the evening in the welterweight division, we have Damian Maya, who is 27-9, and taking on Ben Askren, who is 19-1. Now, Nick... Where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Askren open minus 165, the comeback on Maya plus 125, and right now the current line over at DSI, we are seeing Askren minus 169, the comeback on Maya plus 140, line margins have tightened up. More action coming in Askren's way. Askren definitely the popular opinion here. A lot of people believe that he's going to get it done. I mean, he's one of the best wrestlers we've ever seen in the sport. I know he hasn't got to prove a lot yet in the UFC. Um, that said, I mean... We know he's as good as it gets as far as, you know, his, uh, his wrestling pedigree and what he's been able to accomplish in the sport, even outside of the UFC and Bellator, 1FC. It's been amazing. The guy's definitely legit. Um, he's deserving to get this shot in the UFC. We've waited a long time to see him get it. And, and the way he's marketed himself, the way, everything about Askren is just awesome, man. Love to see him in the sport. I mean, he's just nothing but good for the sport, nothing but good that the UFC signed him. So I hope he does see success um, in his UFC career because obviously thus far it's been kind of weird. I mean, that controversial win over Lawler and then getting destroyed by Masvidal on that crazy knee. So it's a head scratcher so far for Askren. Um that said, I mean, a, a winnable fight here, most people think, against Maya. Maya, of course, a grappler, so it's a grappler versus grappler matchup. Askren having the wrestling, uh, Maya having the world-class BJJ. Um, so how it's supposed to play out, I guess, is Askren taking Maya down, laying on top of him, doing some ground and pound, controlling this fight, and kind of cruising in that route. But I think it's going to be a lot harder and a lot tougher than most people think. Uh, I think the funny thing is, on the feet, it's going to be interesting because, I mean, I think both these guys can have their moments, but Maya is the better striker. I can't believe I'm saying that, but it's probably true. Maya probably will have a little bit more success than Askren on the feet. So Askren's going to want to continue to try to take this fight to the ground. And on the ground, Maya, I mean, he's a world-class grappler, one of the best BJJ practitioners we've ever seen in the octagon. The guy's amazing. So... This is a weird matchup for Askren. I, I get that, you know, you put a great grappler on the, on his back, you can control him, and a lot of times you can avoid getting submitted because off their backs, it is a little bit more difficult, obviously. I mean, you're going to have to throw up, you know, those hips, catch an arm, uh, maybe reversal, whatnot. There's just, you know, it's, it's definitely tougher. The person on top, especially if you have the pedigree of Ben Askren and the ground awareness, I mean, you should be able to kind of stifle, neutralize a guy like Damian Maya, but I don't think it's going to be that easy. So... 
I'm going to go against the grain here. I think this is kind of a spider web type of trap fight for Askren. I mean, like I said, I, I can't believe it, but Maya is going to have a slight edge on the feet. And if he gets him to the ground, that's exactly what, where Maya loves to play around the most. So, you know, I'm going to go with Maya to pull off the upset. I know it's not going to be a popular decision uh, or opinion, I should say here, uh, but I do believe that it's just kind of a strange fight. And I'm going to go against all the public just – I think the majority of everybody's picking Askren to win this fight, so I think it's a weird matchup. I'm going to go against everybody. So I'm picking Maya to win, and it's definitely a dogger pass situation. I wouldn't lay the chalk here. And uh, looking at this fight, it the, the times that Damian Maya has not been able to win, it's been when, A, he expends a lot of energy trying to get takedowns and isn't able to do it and gasses himself out, or B, uh, you know, somebody's able to stifle, is able to keep a fight standing and they're the better striker. Uh, you know, if a fight goes to the ground, we've never seen Maya lose there. Ever. So, I think that that's what makes this fight so compelling. Because that's what Ben Astrid's gonna wanna do for five straight rounds. Uh, so, uh, on, as Nick mentioned, on the feet, Maya's gonna be the better striker. Absolutely. You know, this is a guy that, he kinda went through that little, mid-career crisis in the middleweight division where he really tried to focus on his striking. I mean, his striking still isn't, you know, good, but it's definitely better than Askren's. And he actually does have a little bit of pop, you know, not like nasty knockout power, but we've seen him rock people a couple times. So, uh, you know, Maya can definitely catch you off guard. And uh, obviously what makes Maya so especially dangerous is being left-handed. He does everything the opposite of what you expect. Uh, in, you know, not just on the feet, but on the ground. So, you know, I'm sure Askren is preparing for that, but, you know, this is by far the best ground fighter that Askren's ever faced. I mean, the only person that's even close is, uh, when Askren fought Shinya Aoki, but Aoki was, you know, a lightweight, a uh, small lightweight, uh, and Askren, yeah, Askren beat him easily, but, you know, Damian Maia is a guy that is a huge welterweight. He cuts a pretty good amount of weight. He's going to have some size on Askren. And, you know, Maya's not going to expend a lot of energy looking to get this fight to the floor because Askren's going to do it for him. And I think Maya's going to welcome it. Now, what makes this so interesting is most of the time Maya is the one from top position because uh, he's the one initiating the ground. Uh, you know, we never really see people actually wanting to take Maya down and enter his guard. So that's where this fight gets particularly interesting because we just haven't seen Maya in this situation very much. Uh, maybe late in fights when he's exhausted and, uh, you know, uh, you know, there, there were a couple times where Maya was headlining a card and maybe he got tired in the fifth round and he was just on his back. But, uh, yeah, we really haven't seen a fresh Damian Maya off of his back. And I, I, that's what I'm most compelled to see because, you know, I've seen videos of like Ben Askren grappling with Marcelo Garcia and getting tapped like, you know, 10 plus times in, in a, just a short grappling period. But that was pretty, you know, that was like nine years ago. So obviously he's added a lot to his game since then, but, uh, Maya's going to be fresh. Maya's going to be dangerous. Um, I think Askren's playing with fire here because, you know, on the feet he's losing and on the ground, I think he gets out grappled. Um, you know, Maya is, uh, so fun on the canvas and, uh, he sets things up so well. And while I know Askren is a tremendous wrestler, um, I just don't think that he can threaten with anything that Maya is not going to see coming. Uh, Askren does not hit hard on the ground. He doesn't have any power whatsoever. Um, so Maya can pretty much just ignore whatever Askren's doing from top position and just try to make something happen. Uh, Maya can sweep, Maya can submit. Um, I think Maya just controls this fight. So yeah, I, I, I'm with Nick as well. I think, uh, you know, while Askren is an elite wrestler, uh, this is, you know, he has not faced anybody even close to as good as Maya on the ground in his career. That is the size of Maya. Probably the best ground fighter he's faced so far was Douglas Lima. And yeah, Askren was able to make that work, but I think, you know, Maya and Douglas Lima are so different in terms of uh, ground skill. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. The dynamic is just fascinating because we just haven't really seen Maya put in this situation, but I can't wait to see it. And I do think that Maya makes, uh, I think Maya punishes Askren for 
for uh, looking to get this fight to the floor. So uh, I'm picking Damian Maya as well. I think he gets the job done. And unfortunately, I think Ben Askren uh, drops his second straight inside the octagon. So Damian Maya is going to be my pick. So that'll do it for a full event breakdown for UFC on ESPN plus 20. If we have a free play to give out, make sure to follow at MMA OB premium on Twitter, because that's where we'll post them first. You can also notify you of our free bets via email alert. If you prefer that method, just send an email to picks at MMAoddsbreaker.com and we'll add you to our free bet mailing list. Special thanks to bet DSI. Good luck everyone. And hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend.